Hello, I'm Steph. I'm Emma. And this is... I don't believe it. I think I need a beer because yeah. I am sleeping. Okay, so we're going to start with this one because it will be less hoppy. As we oh. learnt, it's a pilsner, mm. so it'll be lighter. And this is gluten-free. Oh, okay. Ella, if you're listening. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Were you like, who's that? <laughs> no, no, I was because I was reading the L bit. I was like, oh, that's not what that's it says, not what it says yeah. now. <laughs> So El Perro Negro is... Is it the black guy? Does that mean, do you think? Well, it looks like it. Mm. Perhaps, I don't know. I don't speak any other language yet. A crisp and refreshing gluten-free pilsner with a zesty twist of Seville orange to deliver a fruity citrus bite. And it's a Scottish brand called William Bros Brewing Company. Mm. A new one. Sold. Which we haven't had before. Yes. How exciting. I keep looking for new ones. It's getting quite tricky. I'm going to have to find other shops or, you know, actually do some research online. Which seems like too much work right now. Yeah, it does. Sounds like a lot to get on with. Because we are fucking busy. We're busy, busy girls, but we make time for you guys. Yeah. It's a priority for Love me. you. <laughs> and while I'm exploring, I should tell you, it's spooky season. Woo, woo, woo. So we are each doing a Halloween episode. So tonight, it's my turn. Ooh. <laughs> you good. Thank you. Welcome. Oh, smells good. I haven't said that for a while, have you? Have I not? <laughs> Ooh, really nice. Light as fuck, that Isn't is. It? It's a pilsner. I know, I've got in my head now that pilsners are going to be difficult because after the, you know, you talked about the red pilsner. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's fucking beautiful. That red pilsner I had is not light at all. No. It was not light at all. They say it should be light. But I do really like that. I think that's bloody lovely. That's gorgeous. Lovely. All right. Let me tell you now. Okay, go on, right. go on, go now, on. Now, I'm pretty sure you'll have heard of the Cecil Hotel. Yeah. Now, I think in English it might be the Cecil Hotel. I'm not sure. But everyone calls it the Cecil because all the documentaries I watched are American. So I'm going to keep calling it the Cecil. I think that's just how they pronounce it. But yeah. yeah. It's Tonight it's the Cecil. If you met someone whose name was that, you'd call them Cecil though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think. I mean, I don't think we're okay. ever going to meet it's a Cecil. in America. Yeah, it is. So we call it... It's like Southerners see Salford and they think Salford. Yeah. But no, we say it like the people who are from there say it. Mm. So that's how we're going to treat it. I love it. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the Cecil. Cecil. So do you know it's full sordid history? <laughs> Not all of it. Bit of it. Bit of it. Okay. So we're kind of creeping into true crime a little bit this week because there's, okay. there's bits and bats in there. But I'm going to tell you the story of one of the most haunted hotels in the world. I'm very excited. So the Cecil opened its doors on the 20th of December, 1924, so just before Christmas. And it cost around a million dollars to build at the time, which is $18 million in today's money. Blimey. Wait, so it's nearly 99 years old. Oh my God. Oh my god! I didn't even think about that. Imagine what kind of demon portals will be opened on its hundredth. 
anniversary. Ooh. Oh my god, we could do a follow up next year. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, okay. no, because it won't have hit its hundredth yet. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. plans, plans. <laughs> okay. So the Cecil has seven hundred bedrooms. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It had a marble lobby, palm trees, and a big, beautiful staircase. It was Art Deco being built just after World War One, and it was built as like a destination hotel for. Um, travellers, international business people in downtown Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the US expected its prosperity after World War One to continue, but that was not the case. We had the Great Depression and then, of course, um, World War Two later. So Yay. the Great Depression, just to tell you about that very briefly, um, it hit in 1929 and it was an ec- economic downturn that affected most of the world. So... By 1933, the US is kind of recovering a little mm. bit. But at the height, unemployment was 25% in the in the Great Depression, which is fucking nuts. Yeah. A quarter of the country is unemployed. Out of the adult working class. Sorry, yeah. 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 Out of the yeah, adult working age population. Bloody hell. A quarter. So, like, imagine what that does to your economy. It's like, it's fucked. So, hotels yeah. and stuff... And the split of classes as well. Yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly, yeah. And then, of course, it's World War Two after that. So after all of that, there's not a lot of holidaying going on. There's not a lot of reason no. um, for big, fancy hotels. Um, so the impact on the Cecil was the same as most hotels in the area. They had to kind of change um, who they were aiming at in terms of clientele and just sort of take what they could get. Okay. Um, and what they could get was the people who were living in the area, and this area of Los Angeles is called Skid Row. Yeah. Oh, you know. Mm-hmm. You might have watched the same documentary as me, have you? The Not the... Uh, the one about the girl. Elisa Lam. Yeah. Yeah. I knew what Skid Row was anyway. Oh. See, I knew it was a place, but I never knew what it was, so... Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you I've about it now. I've watched a lot of <laughs> drug documentaries, <laughs> okay. so I'm very aware of it, but... Remind me, because okay. I still can't remember that girl's name when I watched the documentary, so... Yeah, okay. And, and you literally just said it. And for the listeners at home. Yeah. So I didn't know... My next line is, I didn't know what Skid Row meant, so <laughs> I looked it up. So apparently, originally, it referred to... It's from the 17th century, originally. Oh, right. And it referred to Skid Roads. And these were roads that were used for skidding logs like th- down through the woods and over bogs and stuff like that. And someone, when someone gets fired, they get sent down the skid road. And then the term just kind of changed slightly. And now it's used to describe impoverished areas. It's yeah. not just skid row in Los Angeles. There's skid rows um, in other places too. So the areas with lots of homeless or those who are generally forgotten by society. There's a lot of crime and the area kind of looks after itself and it's kind of got its own rules. Mm. So the Skid Row in LA is a 56 block area, which actually is fucking huge. Fucking hell, I didn't know it was that big. No, it's massive. Jesus, imagine being in the centre of that. It'd be fucking dangerous. So scary. Terrifying. So scary. And it's been there for like 100 years as well. Yeah. So it's not like... It's deep-rooted. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which is which is upsetting that it has been there and people have struggled in that giant area for that amount of time. Yeah. Because it, it must have taken time for it to get that that widespread. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, if you've got 25% of your population that are, un- 25% of your population that are unemployed... Oh, yeah, I suppose it grew quite quickly then, didn't it? And I'll go on to tell you in a bit that um, the police just kind of 
hustled everyone into that area and kind of barricaded it to mm. try and sort of contain it. I think the I think the policy is called containment, but we'll get on to that. Mm. Um, so Skidrow in LA is considered one of the most dangerous places in the world and the homeless population seems to have boomed after a lot of the low-cost hotels in the area, so not just yeah, Cecil, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there are others in the area. They were all closed in the 60s in an attempt to kind of revitalise the area. But of course, people don't have anywhere else to fucking go. No. So they just end up adding to the already existing homeless population in the area. So the area becomes bigger, of course. There's an estimated 10,000 homeless people living in that area. Like now or then? Now. Now. Yeah. Blimey. Not so. And... Um, That's heartbreaking. It is, and I watched a few documentaries and things about about this. But in one of the in one of the documentaries, I saw a video, um, and people are just living in tents. Like the streets are lined with tents. Mm. Like we can't compute something like that because although we have a homelessness problem in the UK, we don't have blocks and blocks and blocks where people just live in tents like it's like a tent city we don't have mm. that here so it's i was watching i was like whoa i can't imagine what that's like i suppose it's kind of like looking at a festival but five years after it ended oh my god do you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. it's all just sort of falling apart and that's the only thing i can liken it to seeing that many tents but i suppose it's it's a lot dimmer isn't it oh yeah god a lot dimmer in um the, one of the documentaries, Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, that's the one about Elisa Lam. Um, they spoke to somebody who'd lived on Skid Row for 21 years. And he was explaining that all all services for homeless people are situated in Skid Row. Yeah. So that people have to go there for help. So then it becomes like a bit of a dumping ground. And here's the policy I was talking about. So the policy in the 70s was called containment, which was where police and um, services and government try and contain everything to like everything bad to the one place and the police put up barriers to stop people from leaving so it was like we'll just contain it all in there nothing to see here don't you worry about it won't help anyone we'll just leave everybody to rot in there heaven forbid the scum of the earth come anywhere near us in it keep the peasants away from Mm -hmm. us that's absolutely despicable and they wonder why there's so much crime and such Mm -hmm. a problem there yeah if you force them all into that situation where they feel like they have no one is looking out for them why are they going to abide by your rules yeah why are they going to care what anyone else needs or what anyone else thinks or what anyone else is going through because they've been shoved into this Mm -hmm. corner they're going to they're going to hurt people. They're going to... It's every man for themselves, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, well, that's kind of what how it went. And in the 80s, it, it just essentially became completely lawless. So yeah, yeah, they've of got, course. got their own rules and stuff. So the former tenant that I was just talking about who'd lived there for 21 years, um, he lived in the Cecil as well. And he said mm. he would never go above the sixth floor because that's where people get killed. I do remember that part. Mm-hmm. I do remember that part. Yeah. And it's like, this is the thing, if you put all all these desperate people together mm. and there's a lot of mental ill health as well, mm-hmm. you're going to get violence. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're literally on the, on, on the edge of everything and you don't have anything. If someone else has something that you need, mm-hmm. you're going to do whatever, whatever it takes to get it because what have you got to lose? Mm-hmm. So the former general manager of the hotel... Sorry, I should have said... The hotel now, uh, well, at this time, catered for um, 
for the homeless homeless population in the area. So if they had some money, they could stay there long term. It was very cheap mm. um, to stay there. It wasn't safe, um, but it was a roof over your head, yeah. basically. Better than being on the streets. Yeah. So um, a former general manager of the hotel said that in the 10 years that she worked there, there were literally thousands of 911 calls. And there was a police officer who said there's about three, they get called about three times a day to the hotel. And that's only the ones they get called out for. Like a lot of it gets taken care of, you know, it's by the population themselves. So this is the kind of place that we're dealing with, basically, in our story. Um, so the Cecil was one of the places that remained available to people at very low cost. So it attracted people who were down on their luck. Um, people who want to take advantage of other people, sex workers, and mm. due to its cheap price, it means that people can live there long term. Violence is normal. Um, it's completely overlooked, but um, like the violence is completely overlooked by the tenants, and it's just generally a fucking scary ass place to live. Yeah. Now, because of the sheer number of deaths in the hotel's history, some people have suggested that perhaps the hotel is cursed. So we're going to go through some of those de- uh, deaths now to try and understand like how many we're talking about and how okay. strange some of them are. Okay. Um, so these are the most cited deaths that I could find. But the like I said, the former general manager who I mentioned earlier said that there were about eighty deaths in the time in the ten years that she worked there, and we're only going to talk about I think something like twenty two or something like that. So that's eight a year. It's crack. It's crackers, isn't it? Eight. That's fucking not even. That's. More than one every two months. Mm. So I'm guessing a lot of those deaths are like overdoses or, you know, other deaths yeah, of despair yeah, yeah. that just don't get kind of reported on in the same way as some of these more high-profile ones. Mm. Okay, so here we go. So the hotel's been home to at least 16 murders and suicides over the years, um, starting in the 1930s. Um, so around sort of six years after the hotel opened. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 1930s, there were five deaths, and the first was in November 1931. This was the probable suicide of W.K. Norton, who'd signed into the hotel as James w- James Wiley's. Lots of people use fake names yeah, in yeah, this yeah. hotel. Um, he died in his room after ingesting poison capsules. And there's a couple of poison ones. I'm thinking maybe that was a more common right. method of... Um, suicide. It wasn't or... that. Wasn't that like uh, kind of the norm to have poison tablets during the war in case you were captured? Well, I don't, they haven't actually gone to war, though, have no, they? No, no, I know, but maybe that's why they were sort of available oh, or yeah. easy to get hold mm. of. Because during the war, if you were caught, then you'd commit suicide so that you couldn't be tortured and yeah. information couldn't be taken out of you. You'd be given like poison capsules, wouldn't you? Mm. And so seen... maybe that's why they were available. I don't know. And less health and safety laws, so. Like, we might have bought uh, rat poison, for example, that had, like, cyanide in it or something, Mm. whereas we wouldn't necessarily sell that to just anyone nowadays, or it would have different ingredients or stuff like that. Right, okay. Um, That's just a guess. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, So the second death was less than a year later, in September 1932, and it was another potential suicide. And this is of Ben Dodich, who shot himself in the head. He was found by a maid working at the hotel, but he left no note, so it's not 100% sure. Like, how can they be 100% sure that was a suicide if if you left no note? I suppose it depends on how he was shot. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. There'd be an easy way to tell... Well, there's easy ways to tell if it wasn't a suicide, but you could make it look like a suicide, couldn't you? If it's going straight up through the bottom of your chin, then 
it could be deemed a suicide, but it might not be. And forensics were nowhere near in no, the 30s what advanced, they are now. Yeah. yeah, and you wouldn't be able to. They wouldn't profile like the blood splatter and stuff. They wouldn't. They wouldn't care enough, really. Well, I think let's blood, be honest. Blood splatters is effectively debunked now, anyway. I think. Oh, is it? Yeah, right. I think so. Well, it wouldn't have been then. No. I don't know. I don't know. No, we're guessing. We weren't no, we're born guessing. in the 30s. No, we weren't. <laughs> Um, then in July 1934, Sergeant Lewis Borden was found dead of a self-inflicted slashed throat. He left several notes, so they were able to confirm this as a suicide, but that feels like a bad way to go, that. I don't know. I'm sorry. Just because there's several notes doesn't mm. mean... It, like, that has got to take a lot, but then... Oh, this is the thing. You can't you can't understand what they've been no. through and what, what drives you to that. Mm-hmm. There are people who have done that. Mm. That's that's a heartbreaking man. Yeah. But the staff get a couple of years suicide free now. Okay. Um, Until we get to March 1937 when Grace Magro, Magro, I'm not sure which, she was found having fallen from the ninth story. They weren't able to determine whether that was suicide or murder. The final death in the 1930s, so this is all in one decade... Mm. Um, was that of Erwin Neblett, who was also found dead in his room after ingesting poison. Mm. So that's quite a lot of death in a decade. And I have no idea whether that's like a normal amount of death in a hotel. But I'm assuming not, that because it's talked about as being, you know, potentially cursed, this hotel. Yeah. I don't know, maybe that's because of what was happening afterwards. Because in a, in a place like that and in a community like that, there's going to be more deaths mm-hmm. and suicides and mm-hmm. and in general criminal behavior so maybe it's it's not that weird for the 1930s mm-hmm. but it might be for the stretch of time after that mm. well we've got some more we've got some yeah. more now. but i just kept all the way through this i kept thinking these poor staff they must have been so frightened to go in a room yeah like then with you, that many you don't want to be part of the 25 percent, do you oh well, that's true working. yeah you're absolutely right you're absolutely your fear right. doesn't matter you have to feed your family it's fucking which is even more heartbreaking because mm. you're, you're destroying your own mental health mm. yourself by being there but you you've got to get shit done you know yeah blimey times is tough yeah well, now we're going to go to January 1940, and this is Dorothy Seeger. She was found dead after ingesting poison again in a mm. suicide. And then just after four years later, in September 1944, is a really, really sad story. It's another Dorothy, um, Dorothy Jean Purcell, who was staying at the hotel with her boyfriend and apparently didn't know that she was pregnant. And she went into labour in the night and presumably didn't want to wake her boyfriend, so she went into the bathroom... And she delivered the baby, and she later said she thought the baby was dead, so she threw it out of the window. <gasps> she was charged with murder, but then she was later found not guilty by reason of insanity. Oh, my God. Mm. That's oh a really God. sad one. Oh, fucking hell. I wonder so, why she thought it was dead. Maybe if the umbilical cord was still attached, it's not going to realise it's out of the I window. Don't know. I, th- I, think, I think that what they came out with is that they thought... I don't know, because it's her boyfriend, not her husband. Maybe, I don't know, she went temporarily, um, mm. you know. Well, she didn't even want her boyfriend to know. It, well, she exactly. delivered a fucking baby yeah, without waking him. Out of him. fear, you know. Fucking I don't know. Yeah. You just don't know. But then, obviously, people point to that as another example of malevolent spirits that are, are working on people. Yeah, you know I mean? that's a good point. 
So the last death of the 40s is another suicide, and this is by um, Robert Smith, who jumped from the seventh floor. Lots of jumping out of windows at this mm. hotel, I guess. Maybe that's not normal, but you know what I mean? Like mm, Maybe the out of window is, is one of the curses. Maybe. So staff in the 50s must have been real fucking happy because there was only one death. So we're getting a bit later now. And that was of Helen Gurney, who committed suicide again by jumping from the seventh floor. And I've noticed quite a lot happens on the seventh floor. And he didn't want to go above the sixth floor. Ooh, yeah. You're right. Ooh, that's interesting. Maybe he got a vibe of, do not go up there. Yeah, well, that's where everything started to go wrong and there was all these murders and stuff, wasn't it? And, oh my God, anything above the sixth floor... Is where all of the, all of the tortured souls were. That's mm-hmm. how Eliza, Eliza, Elisa, Elisa ended up in that tank. Well, we're gonna get to Elisa. Ooh, okay. Now I'm getting into it. This feels more <laughs> Halloween now. So in 1962, this was a really bad year because there mm-hmm. was two apparent suicides. The first was in February of that year. That is Julia Moore who fell from the eighth wind, eighth floor window. Mm-hmm. And the second was in October the same year when Pauline Otten, she'd had a row with her husband. He apparently left the room. She threw herself out of the ninth floor window and landed on a pedestrian. Oh, no. That was George Gianni and she killed them both. She killed them both or her husband killed them both? This is what I wonder. Hmm. Like, how do they know he was out of the room? Yeah, in it. Mm. Like, his word against yeah. his... They make it out like she was like, well, I'm going to show you. Yeah. I'm no. not buying it. I'm not no, buying it. Me but. neither. And then less than two years later, we've got our second murder. So this is um, Pigeon Goldie Osgood. This is actually really sad. So Pigeon Goldie came to the Cecil as a retired telephone operative in 1958. She was aged 59. Mm. Pigeon Goldie was named Pigeon Goldie because she was well known for going feeding the pigeons in nearby Pershing Square for literally hours every day. She would wear her LA Dodgers baseball cap and she'd take a paper bag with bird feed and she'd chase away the bigger birds so all the little birds could make sure that they got fed. She was really, really sweet. Oh, I love her. People knew her as sociable and kind. And on the day of her murder, she spoke to tenants of the Cecil as usual. And then she went to her room for the evening. She was found only an hour later by someone delivering phone books. She was found raped, beaten and (sighs) strangled with one of the hotel's towels. And the bird feed was found like scattered near her body. Somebody was later arrested, but then they were acquitted of a murder and it remains unsolved to this day. What floor was she on? Um, I don't have that information. Mm, well, I'd be intrigued to know. Yeah, I'm sure we can find out. Mm. Oh my God, bless her. Yeah. Why does it always have to happen to the nice people? Yeah. And it was it was just so weird that she'd only been back an hour and the, the suggestion is that somebody was hiding in her room, like waiting for her to come back. Mm, maybe. I just don't know. Just don't know. <sighs> well, um, it makes you wonder, was it, was it a member of staff? Because they would have been trusted... Quite possibly, because, you know, if there's spirits at work here, yeah. and you work there, so you're there all the time... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd think you And if be... she says hello and she's sociable, she says hello to this yeah. um, the staff member, mm. Mm. and thus the plot thickens. And I'm not going to make a joke here about beer, because that was a sad little bit, so I'll just say yeah. that we're at the break, and it's time okay. for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this one... 
is by Sudden Death Brewing Company. Ooh. Ooh. Sudden Death, that's such a good um, name for today's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, well, it's got... um, Is that Jason? Oh, yeah. Jason Voorhees, yeah. And it is called The Wolfman Ate My Homework. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Monsters that. of New England IPA series. Ooh. Vegan friendly. Don't drink and drive. I won't. Um, We're at my home. DDH double IPA, double dry hot double yep. IPA. We know uh, that one now. We do, we do. And where is it brewed? It looks like it's maybe Germany or something. I'm trying to... What was the brewery called again? Sudden Death. Mm. It, you've got the uh, alien one. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. It's one where we got the same one. I have to say, that Pilsner... Savage. I did not want that to end. No, me neither. That was well good. Yeah. Well, I don't know where they're based. I can't work it out. Um... Yeah, so as I was leaving my house earlier, mm. uh, there was this clicking that I couldn't find where it was coming from. Didn't like that. And I heard this weird, like, I don't even know how to describe the sound, but it was almost like, not a grumble, like it was coming from a person, but kind of like if a fridge was breaking down. Okay. My fridge is fine. Like, yeah, I yeah, checked my fridge. New. My fridge yeah. is fine. So, I don't know, maybe Janet was like... I'm going to make you too scared to leave. Oh, this I'm is like, interesting. You're not going to scare me, bitch. I'm going home this weekend, and in the house where my family live, we joke all the time that there's a ghost in there. Because um, there's random noises quite a lot. And I just kind of put it down to it being an old house. But my stepdad said recently, and I would just like to point out, my stepdad is a very serious, old-fashioned Cumbrian man. Mm. He's not the kind to just make up ghost stories you know what Mm -hmm. I mean like he's like I don't believe in any of that shit and he said that quite recently he was on the toilet Mm -hmm. and um, in front of the toilet is the bath with a shower over so it's got a shower curtain Mm -hmm. he said he was just on the toilet and then all of a sudden the shower curtain just opened and he was just like what the fuck he shut it again and it opened one more time I don't like the sound of that but we've never had any kind of like Maybe it's just mischievous. That's what I'm thinking, because we've never had any kind of, like, sinister vibes in the mm. house. At least I've never had any, anyway. But they've kind of half convinced <clears throat> me that there's something in there. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Maybe this uh, this ghost is like, well, believe in me, will you not? <laughs> <laughs> Try now. <laughs> when you're at your most vulnerable. Exactly. <laughs> trying to take a shit. And I'm like, no, you don't. Or maybe oh. just trying to help it out. That smells Fucking delightful it does. is what it smells. This, this has a lot of body. It looks like fruit juice. Oh, didn't quite taste as I was expecting it to Ooh. from its smell. That's an interesting aftertaste. Mm. Oh, I can instantly feel that it's very alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a school night. It is a school night. Hang on. Oh, yeah, 8.5. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. Pop that down till soon I get as finished. <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as I finish that first um, that first swig, I'm like, wow, that's a mm, lot. Mm-hmm. In comparison, I'm glad I did them that way round. Yeah. Mm. That's a thick boy, isn't it? Very. Mm. But it's gorgeous. Yeah. I really like that. Okay. So we're going to go back to this creepy, creepy hotel now. Okay, okay, okay. So after the after um, Pigeon Goldie's murder, the spirits must have felt like a bit of a rest now mm. uh, because we've got more than 10 years until the next death so you might have been right about things sort of calming down over time less deaths as we get closer to mm. present day um so the this one is the suicide again of a woman who registered registered herself as alison lowell but investigators were never able to confirm her true identity oh she jumped from the 12th floor right in december 1975 jumped 
well exactly i wonder if that's driven to the exit like you have to get beyond that boundary to get away from whatever's like driving you mad interesting Mm. because elisa lamon's up on the roof doesn't she yeah 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 maybe you have to you have to cross that boundary immediately maybe the lady was scared that her baby was like possessed or something Mm. and the need to save it needed to be out of the window Mm. maybe that's why she was um Oh, I see what you see. Something about insanity. What was it? it She was found not guilty by reason of insanity. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That actually, that's an Mm. interesting theory. Because I was thinking maybe the spirits led her to believe this is what you you know this is what you need to do. But maybe you're right. Maybe it was a savior thing. Mm. Yeah. Maybe they're trying to save themselves. Maybe that woman's husband threw her out the window because he was trying to save mm, her from mm. the spirits. That's what they that's what they do. Maybe that's how they mess with you. It'd be interesting to dig in the into the newspapers from the time actually, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because, I mean if they they reckon it's it's um what, haunted and, and cursed, that's the word I'm yeah. looking for. So all of these deaths that were right towards the beginning when everything started to go to shit and mm-hmm. all these people were pushed to the side, there's going to be some angry spirits there. This is where I am with it, And yeah. then they start to see people coming through and maybe they're doing better. It's like, why do you get to have this and oh, I right. couldn't? Maybe that's why they're driving them to what they're going through. You don't come here and be okay. That's not how it goes. I love how you always have an alternative theory. You always have an original theory. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I have my own conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. It's the only way that my mind works in an interesting manner. And it's that spirits are economically jealous of other people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so things really <clears throat> calm down now, uh, as much as things in a hotel like this can anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we don't see another death until September 1992, uh, when we've got a John Doe who was found... Uh, in an alley behind the Cecil, they couldn't actually determine whether he'd been pushed, fallen, or had jumped. So we're getting into, you know, better policing mm. um, techniques now. Maybe we're not just going, oh, well, they must have jumped. Yeah. Maybe there's a little bit more investigative stuff going on here. Yeah, plus as times go through, the Cecil's not going to be in a, as bad a place, surely. Like, economically, it's not going to be in that bad a place, is it not? Well, it's still in the same area, isn't it? And But is it getting better? Are they getting, like, um, people through that aren't just homeless people renting it? Or is it, are we not there yet? Not at that stage, okay. but we are coming up to it right now, Okay, actually. Um, so that was 1992, and then we get a really long break. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Elisa Lamb. And she, her, her case was in February 2013. And I think what you were alluding to there is that um, at some point, I'm going to talk about it anyway, but at some point they wanted to change the hotel from this um, place that tenants could live very cheaply. Homeless shelter, basically. Yeah, yeah. to a place that is for young travellers needing a cheap place to stay. They wanted to change the hotel to be a hostel. To, yeah, exactly, to be a hostel and to evict all of their long-term tenants. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. Well, you're going to find out that they couldn't for for some reason, so I'm going to tell you all about it. But So, Elisa Lam, um, so you know the story, but for people who don't, yeah. um, she was a Canadian tourist who was coming to LA and she went missing while she was staying at the Cecil after having some kind of breakdown which was recorded 
in the lift of the Cecil. Yes. And it's a very famous video. Um, and she was later found drowned in a water tank on the roof of the hotel, but it took quite a long time to find her there. Um, and there are lots of suggestions about... Because the police have gone up there with dogs already. Yeah, yeah, and there are yeah. lots of suggestions about maybe she was put there afterwards. Mm-hmm. Or the, there's all Waiting sorts of... until the search was done then. Put exactly. Her up there. There's it's, a lot of conspiracy. It's important to note, though, she was... Um, she was a, a blogger or a vlogger, and yeah. she she did mention about being on medication. She was on medication, yeah. wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. So um, she she was bipolar. Um, she had a lot of medication that she'd stopped taking by the mm-hmm. looks of things, by what what was in her body when they were when she was found. Um, what? And it was the spirits that stopped her. Stopped her what from leave? Oh, from taking her medication. From taking her medication. Because otherwise they wouldn't be able to... Maybe they couldn't tamper with her with, while she was taking her medication. Mm. So they stopped her taking her medication and then that's when they could tamper with her. Quite possibly. Tamper with her sounds like a really bad way of yeah, saying it. it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, really gross. But there's, because of the video, like, have you watched the video? Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't, if you're listening at home and you haven't watched the video, I'd recommend going to watch it just so you know what we're talking about here. Mm. But it's really quite alarming isn't it her behavior is completely erratic yeah she looks like she's talking to something that or someone that you can't see yeah yeah um she's behaving in such a strange way like her hand movements are Mm. really strange it's very and it goes on for a while as well and doesn't the doors open and then close again a couple of times uh no the doors actually she was pressing loads of buttons and the doors stay open and then there was a lot of speculation about like the spirits keeping the doors open yeah well it turns out one of the buttons she pressed was the like lift hold button so that's Ah, that's why it didn't close um yeah, so there's, there was lots of speculation about maybe... In in this video, it, it does look like she's hiding from somebody as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's speculation that maybe she was hiding from a person who was trying to do a harm, um, or that she was being affected by spirits in, mm-hmm. in the hotel. Um, lots of podcasts do the case really well, so do look it up. Um, I'm not going to go into all the ins and outs of it here. Personally, I don't think we've got all the answers. No, no, um, no, no, absolutely in that case, not. But... but I don't think we'll ever have all the answers about the Cecil Hotel. No. There's so many things that have gone unanswered up until that point. Why break the habit of a lifetime sort of thing? Yeah. That's how it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it is It is bizarre. I mean, I do understand the... the um, Dogs going up onto the roof and sniffing about because if she was in that water tank, yeah. she's going to be really, really cold. Yeah. So she's not going to start to decompose or anything straight away. She's mm. almost going to be preserved in there, and the tank's going to be very fucking thick. Yeah. But then I suppose they should get her scent from outside of it. Yeah. But then the thing was closed. I yeah, don't... yeah. So the um the uh, the the roof of the <laughs> thing, you know what I mean? The yeah, the yeah. lid of the yeah. water tank was closed so there was they were saying like how could she have got in there by herself and then somehow reached up to close it it doesn't yeah, really it quite too make heavy sense for her to, because it's not like she could push us like steady herself on the ground of it exactly it's so deep. yeah exactly yeah so very it, interesting yeah so there's a lot of strange things go, that go on there and i can totally see the um argument for the spirits thing because she's yeah her behavior is very erratic she shouldn't have been able to get up onto the roof either yes. but the spirits are going to know how to get up there you yeah. know yeah so the the roof door is alarmed and there was no alarm going off mm. um so i think the police decided in the end because it, it was it was ruled an accidental drowning in the end mm. um 
and I think the police decided that she must have used the fire escape to get up there. Oh, maybe. Um, Wasn't the door open? I thought the door was... No, no, no. All right. Was there water in her lungs? That's another thing. I don't think they reported that. I don't know. We never found out the answer to that. It's kind of there's a there's this guy um I don't know if you've I can't remember his name um he's I think he was a a singer or a rapper um who was found drowned after taking Xanax and stuff in his bath and they first reported there was no um water in his lungs and now that's all been redacted that's all been oh. like taken back and apparently he drowned in the bathtub but hmm. he was in his clothes. They've ruled it as like an overdose and drowning due to overdose, mm. but it's it's sort of like that sort. Of, mm. I don't know why you would say one thing and then say, "Oh no, no, that's not yeah. true." It's it's very. It makes you wonder what the authorities are trying to hide in a lot of these situations. Mm. I'm not sure they're trying. I don't get the vibe they're trying to hide anything in Elisa Lamb's case. I think they just don't know the answers and they're trying to provide an answer, even though it doesn't really quite make sense because. The you know it was so huge, wasn't it? It was all over the internet. Yeah. It was a massive thing, and the family need answers, and they need to stop people turning up at the hotel and make turning up at the family's house, making things worse. So they need to provide yeah. some answers. Yeah, I suppose to calm the public. There was a like a whole um, movement, wasn't there? Like an online movement of people try like pestering like what happened to oh, Eliza. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how like kind of the web sleuths were born, really. Like mm. there were people who were interested, of course. But this really kind of was a groundswell of those kind of yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there are people out there who are doing really good things and genuinely are helping to solve murders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are people out there who are really making a nuisance of themselves. They don't care that they're upsetting the family. And they're, you know, just there because for the gram or, you know, for YouTube or whatever. Yeah, for yeah, their yeah. own selves. It's not for helping anyone. It's for no. themselves. Mm. And I think... Possibly that's what the police are trying to counter. Yeah, I suppose. Here. If they've given an answer, they've drawn a line in the sand, then yeah. that's as simple as it is. You never know, the family might be told something different and they might amend mm. things later or keep something quieter or say it a certain way to the public yeah. for the sake of, of that. That does make sense. And her, her sister has come out and said, like, because she, she was bipolar, mm-hmm. and her sister has come out and said that the erratic behaviour that you see in the video is the way she would behave when she stopped taking her meds. Right, so like an I, episode. Yeah, so I think for the family, and, and she would hallucinate and stuff, so that explains, you know, why she's kind of behaving as if she's interacting Easily with contactable, though. Mm. I wonder if maybe there is a there is an element of that. Because, you know, like, they, they say that spirits come to children more than anyone yeah. else because mm-hmm. they're more open-minded. Yeah. If someone's got a mental illness and they see that sort of thing anyway because mm. their mind's doing it to them, then maybe they're more contactable, they're more likely to listen. That's interesting because, obviously, at a hotel like this, mm. there will be a lot of mental ill health. Yeah, 100%. That's interesting. Maybe that's how it's happened. Mm. Well, we're gonna we're gonna leave Elisa Lam there because yeah. um, that's fine. There's so much speculation. It's, it's yeah. yeah, it's and it's you know we didn't plan for that. So no, there's more to it than yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to do it justice. Um, so we've got the most recent and final death now at the hotel. Okay, and this is another John Doe who was found outside the hotel in 2015, and his cause of death is unknown. They just do not know how he died. He was found outside though. Yeah. So but, it's not like he's jumped out the window. Well, the the previous John Doe was found outside, and then they said they didn't know if he was pushed, jumped, or um, 
fell. What's the other one? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it was like, no, but, how else do you come out of a window? No, but that's that was his cause of death, was falling out of the window or, yeah, or coming out the window. So was the, was this other guy the same or was um, he, it just, he was just found dead and you don't know whether he was know. flat or what? Yeah, and well, I'm guessing they'd probably be able to tell if he'd, if he'd come out of a, a, window, a yeah. window, yeah. And you'd think they'd be able to tell if it was an overdose as well because they have things in his system, so mm. don't know. That they care enough to investigate? Probably not, because let's be honest, these Rose are people Gibbering. who are on the margins of society. Yeah. Which which actually makes me really fucking angry because if that had happened in a really nice area of LA, mm-hmm. there would be so much more to yeah, it. Yeah. So we're gonna leave the deaths there. Okay. Because now we've got to talk about some other creepy shit and other creepy people Ooh. that have stayed at this hotel. Okay. Okay. Creepy people. So we're gonna talk about Richard Ramirez briefly, the Night Stalker. Oh, okay. I've okay. I've bookmarked that. Um, on Netflix, but I've not seen it. Okay, right. So Richard Ramirez terrorised LA in... Mm. I'm not sure when it was. Was it the 80s? I don't think I've written it down. Um, That's a good documentary, though, Mm -hmm. and you'll love the end, so definitely watch that. Um, So he actually lived at the Cecil while he was committing his spree killings. No way. Yeah. So in... Yeah, it was the 80s, because in 1989 he was convicted of 13 murders... Five attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults, and 14 burglaries. And it said that he would go and kill someone, and then he would just waltz back into the hotel after a murder, covered in blood, throw his bloody clothes into a dumpster, and then just walk through the hotel in his underwear, and nobody would say a fucking thing. And did, when... he, did he live above the seventh floor? He d- I think he lived on the 14th floor. Well, then you're not going to ask that man what he's doing in just do his you, underwear, do, are you? Do you think maybe the higher it goes? The worse it gets, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, interesting. So he, he when I say he terrorised LA, I mean he terrorised LA. People were so scared to go out at night because he didn't have like a victim profile. He killed anyone. Anything and anyone. Anyone. Yeah. And he had like a really short period of time that he, it was like a spree killing type yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but so he lived there. And then, five years later, Jack Unterweger, have you heard of him? No. He was convicted of nine murders in Austria, but the connection to the hotel is that he'd been inspired by Richard Ramirez. No way. And he came to stay in his exact room at the Cecil. I don't think they should make that public knowledge which exact room he was in. Yeah, well, it's out there. Although I suppose, do they have to disclose that? I don't know. Maybe you can, because you get you can get the court documents for stuff, and oh, I suppose yeah, it I suppose, would be yeah. in the court documents, maybe. But his story is fucking mental, right? right so okay. I'm just going to briefly go yeah, off onto yeah, yeah. this. So he was born in 1950, and then from the age of 16 to 24, he picked up 16 convictions in that short amount of time for theft, pimping, and sexual assault. Oh, great! In 1974, he murdered Margaret Schaefer. Um, by strangling her with her own bra. Now, remember that. Oh, dear. Okay. So he was convicted and he was sentenced to life in prison in 1976. Okay. But while he was in prison, he started writing poems, short stories, plays, and got kind of like a little bit famous for his writing, so much so that people started like calling for his release in 1985. 
And I do not know how the fuck writing poems gets you out of murder. Like, you've been convicted, you are in prison. How does that absolve you of murder? Like, tough titties. Like, he's still getting his fucking poems out to the public, so why does he need to be released? Which I feel like they shouldn't be allowed to do that anyway. No. I think now, because obviously now I think there are rules that you can't make money off of, say, like, if you've been a murderer, you can't sell your story and make money off it. Mm. But I don't know if that's the case then, or I don't yeah, know. but he's not necessarily talking about the murder, is he? He's, he's mm. writing other things. Very true. Mm. So the minimum term for um, in Austria at the time for a life sentence is fifteen years. So after he served his fifteen years in nineteen ninety, off he goes. He's released, and somebody gives him a job as a journalist. So in the first year after his release. He murdered eight women by strangling them with their own bras. But he wasn't caught yet. And in fact, he was actually reporting as a journalist on the very crimes he was committing. Oh my God, we had a way of swaying it. Yep. Oh, what a clever little cunt. And then the publication he was working for, they sent him to LA. So here's the link with Ramirez in the hotel. Right. They sent him to LA to write about crime in the city and the difference in attitudes uh, between Europe and the US when it comes to sex work. So whilst he was in the city, he was going on ride-alongs with the fucking LAPD in Skid Row, in the area around the hotel. He was meeting the sex workers, he was talking to them. And then at night he was going back and fucking murdering them. Oh my god. It's madness, isn't it? It's madness. And then the next day you get back in the car with the LAPD. Exactly. What the fuck? It's crazy, isn't it? Um, So he, like I said, he stayed in Ramirez's old room. He was inspired by him. He asked for that room. He wanted to stay in that room. That's... I suppose... See, this is the thing. If that had happened... Where is he from? Austria? Mm -hmm. If that had happened in Austria... People would have put two and two together and been like, maybe maybe it's a problem that he's that obsessed with them. But yeah. he's probably not been heard of in LA. So he's mm. just a, a journalist who's interested in this sort of thing. And yeah. he's going inside. It's not going to ring alarm bells, is it? Yeah. But you'd think that you'd be like, hang on a minute. I, I talked to her yesterday and now she's dead. Oh, and I talked to her yesterday with this man and now she's dead. I don't know how long it took them to twig on. Yeah, but did, did they find the dead person immediately? Or yeah, I think hidden? so, yeah. Right, okay. So I think he killed three... Yeah, he murdered three sex workers in LA, again, by strangling them with their own bras. So that's quite a telltale thing, isn't it? Mm. But obviously they wouldn't... You know, this is... And if it's every single time with their own bras... Yeah. That's mental. his thing. Yeah. So they did eventually catch him in 1992, and he was found guilty of nine murders... And this has got nothing to do with the the hotel, but just really annoyingly, the day he was sentenced, they found him later dead in his cell because he'd hanged himself using the exact same knot that he'd used on the ladies' bras to kill him. Oh, fuck you. Piece of shit. Trying to be poetic about it. Yeah. Piece of shit. Oh, I hate that man. Yeah. Um, It's annoying because he's not getting fucking... These these women haven't got justice Mm. because he's just... Yeah. <clears throat> so people say that you know the because th- they used to say that Ramirez would go up onto the roof and do like occult based things. He was very like into rituals the, and stuff. Yeah, he was very into the occult. Like when he was in um, in court, he had like a pentagram on his hand and stuff, and he'd always say, "Don't, don't um, pray to Jesus, pray to Satan and stuff like that." Mm. So you know, he was he was 
I it was all like for show, I'm sure. Image but, with the, yeah, you will yeah. have done. It's in the Ali Salam documentary, I think. That might um, be, yeah. So, like, the the thing is that maybe his his work in the hotel, his, like, occult work in the hotel, called to Antwega ah, to come to the hotel, you know, maybe. His, his malevolent spirits. Maybe. So the last famous link to the hotel is that of the Black Dahlia. Do you know this case? Um, it... Are you thinking of the band The Black Dahlia yeah. Murder? Yeah. Okay, so that's what they're named yeah. after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Black Dahlia's real name is Elizabeth Short. So she was found in January 1947 in a vacant lot and her body had been severed in half at the waist and all of her blood was drained out of it. She, her body had been washed and she'd been given a Glasgow smile. Oh dear. Um, she had like loads of more mutilation on her body, but I won't go into it. Glasgow smile is corner to corner, isn't it? Uh, from your like the sides of each each side of your mouth up to your ears. Oh, to the ears. Oh, yeah. I'm, th- I'm thinking Chelsea smile, aren't I? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm sure it's it's corner of your eyes to corner of your of your mouth is right. the Glasgow. Oh, that's Chelsea smile. Oh. The Glasgow smile is to the corner to corner. Well, e- I'm sure it is. Either way, it's, either way, yeah, it's, it's a not horrible nice. mutilation. Yeah, it's not nice. yeah. Um, and then her body had been posed as well. So it's a really gruesome murder, and it's never been solved. Oh dear! Even though the possible killer wrote letters to the police and media, over five hundred people have confessed to that crime. Even people who were, who weren't even born at the time. That was Sheba. Did that scare you? Yeah, of course, okay. Because <laughs> she heard terrible, in terrible perception of where sound is coming from, and I, I thought that was coming from downstairs. Okay, it wasn't. For the listeners at home, she just like did a little turnover and a tiny little groan in her sleep, and I got scared. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about scary mm. people <laughs> and Glasgow smiles, and I've just had my lips done. <laughs> <laughs> So the connection to the Cecil here with the Black Dahlia is that she stayed in the hotel before her death and had her final drink in the hotel. Right, okay. So did somebody get well, sent she after found? her? Like nearby? In a, like a vacant lot, yeah. Like okay. a vacant place. A vacant place, like a car, car park? Like, um, so where maybe a building had been there at some point. No, oh, okay. it's not. That's like a kind okay, of a okay. lot. Um, but they don't, I don't know if she was just dumped there or whether she was killed there or not I don't know maybe someone followed her from the Cecil yeah maybe I mean maybe it happened in the Cecil and then she was taken there because it sounds like a lot of things happened from floor seven upwards actually it's a good point if she was drained of all the blood and it wasn't in the lot yeah yeah. otherwise they would have found her blood everywhere wouldn't they and if she was posed like that and yeah yeah Mm. but how was she taken there well, I don't. Yeah. Know. Anyway, I don't know. They they ne- they they've never solved it, so I don't know if we'll ever know. Crazy. So of course, with all this death <clears throat> and violence within the walls of the hotel, it's no wonder that it's reportedly one of the most haunted hotels in the world. Mm. So the show Ghost Adventures, and I think mm-hmm. this must be a really famous show. In do you know it? You nodded. I've there. heard of it. Yeah. Okay. I I've it's basically never heard the of American it. Most Haunted, isn't it? I'm guessing so because yeah. I read an article about it in People magazine mm-hmm. suggesting that it's quite popular. And the host Zach, I don't know if it's Baggins or Bagans. I don't know. Don't know. Let's call him Zach. So he went and stayed at the hotel in 2021 because he was really interested in the idea that there might be paranormal influences mm. in the hotel. 
um, that drive people either towards their deaths or towards committing violence towards other people. Mm -hmm. So they stayed there for two nights and they were particularly concerned about the death of Elisa Lam. Yeah. So they retraced her movements kind of while they were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While they were there, they reported loads of, like, poltergeist-type activity. Okay. So, like, scratching, disembodied, uh, disembodied voices, stuff was, like, happening with the lights, and then a tap was turning itself on in the room that Unterweger and Ramirez had stayed in. Oh. Which is a bit creepy. I wonder which one it was. Or maybe it was one of the victims. Oh, you mean, I thought you meant which room. No, I was like, yeah, it's no, 14 no, no. something, no, I can't no. remember. <laughs> Which one of the murderers? Which murderer mm. was it? Or was it or, a victim? Or who? Or whatever spirit drove them to murder? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Maybe. Don't oh know. no. I'm sorry, but no one drove the second guy to murder because yeah. he had already done it before. And also, that's I don't want to excuse their behaviour. No. Like, try and give it some kind of, you know. I mean, I can understand uh, the first guy. I can't remember his name now. What's his name? Uh, Richard Ramirez. Yeah. yeah. I can understand thinking that maybe he was driven by a spirit and it was like madness that had caused him to do it because he had no specific way of killing, no specific person he would go mm. for. It was just like a rampage and yeah. it was just all very quick. Yeah. Whereas fucking other dude, he had a specific knot, he had yeah. a specific telltale, he would go for prostitutes, he was a pimp at one point. Mm. So he obviously had this like mindset towards these this particular type of person mm. And wanted to humiliate them with something that was potentially sexual, you know, yeah, like yeah. your bra can be a sexual thing. Yeah. So I don't think that I think he could have maybe tried to use that as an excuse. Yeah. Whereas Ramirez, I can believe that maybe there might have been a, a spiritual influence mm. because there was no specifics involved. Yeah. I and it didn't happen remember... until he was there. Then, as far as we know. I can't remember his backstory either, like whether there's any of the sort of the dark triad kind yeah. of, I can't remember. And also, I don't really to... like listening to his story, to be honest, because yeah. it's so fucking brutal. So. Well, you have to be not in your right frame of mind to take off your bloody clothes outside the hotel, yeah. throw it into a fucking garbage can, and then walk through in yeah. your underwear. Like, like you have blood to be... splatter all over you. Exactly. Like, there's either, you're either possessed by something else or you're possessed by your own mental unwellness or you're so confident that the place you live in is never going to do anything about it oh god yeah i did not considered that anyway, after the let... first thing first time it happens then you're just not yeah. going to worry about it are you anyway sorry we're I going off on the tangent when it comes now. to these kind of people you, you know you, we all try and understand don't we we're like well why did they do that what was mm. in their childhood or whatever but really realistically we have to kind of understand that we will never understand them. Yeah. And thank God for that, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, right, so the Zach and his ghost adventures. I didn't actually watch the episode because I was on my own and I was a little bit scared. Aww. So I had, to, <laughs> I had to kind of just read what other people reported on it. Like I said earlier, Ramirez was really known, uh, well known for being interested in the occult and he's um, rumoured to have completed some kind of whatever rituals there at the hotel. Mm. So Baggins, um, the Zach guy, he suggests that Ramirez added like more negative energy to an already strangely paranormal building. And he thinks that the hotel is saturated with uh, dark energies and contains doorways to other worlds. The windows. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. But then I thought, is that too literal? <laughs> no, I don't think so. A door would be too literal. 
Mm. A window, maybe not, because that's mm. where everyone's trying to escape to. They're trying to get out of this awful place, mm-hmm. and the window is the only way. Yeah. So he talks, apparently, about these previous suicides and deaths that we've talked about mm. today, and he says that they could have been caused by temporary insanity caused by the negative energies at mm. the hotel. And he describes, like, when he's there, a really malevolent feeling in the hotel. And um, he describes a time when one of his teammates was, like, who who was there filming, was so, like, overcome with feelings of rage. And one of the photographers felt, like, so unwell that they just had to leave that to leave the hotel. Now, I don't know how much I like. I trust this guy or anything, because I don't know anything about him. And he also collects things of Ramirez's, like his clothes and his TV from death row and stuff. So it's all, I don't know, he seems like a creepy guy. I guess some people are into that kind of stuff, but... Yeah. I don't know, it feels in bad taste to me, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah, to... I don't know. I mean, if it was auctioned off to raise money for charity or something good, then fine. Like, mm. have a weird shrine if that's what floats your boat. Mm. But I just don't understand why you'd collect that many things of a serial killer like that. Yeah. And then go to, I mean, maybe go into the Cecil Hotel and um, say and it's to see what ghosts are there was like a, a cover to try and see his room. Yeah, maybe. Without looking like a weirdo. Maybe. If he ends up, well, maybe I should not say things like that. You mean, are you thinking if he un- ends up like Ontoega? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> but I don't, I've never said that. Please say, don't I've, yeah, No, just cut out. <laughs> Um, so of course there's the, there's the theory that we talked about that Elisa Lam was being haunted and that's the explanation <clears throat> for her strange behaviour in the lift footage and obviously we do know that she has some serious mental illness yeah, yeah, yeah. and prescriptions for that but there are a lot of unanswered questions which leave speculation about ghosts or spirits yes. so over the years staff and guests have complained of strange occurrences at the hotel some claim to have seen a woman just walking down the halls um, some have talked about strange noises and feeling just generally kind of watched. Mm. And again, some people think the hotel has portals to other world, which influence them and make them do evil things. So what do you think about the idea of the the hotel being like haunted or malevolent spirits? I mean, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. Mm. I would not be surprised at all. The amount of deaths that have gone on there and the amount of hardship that people Mm. have been through there you think about it when you are in a bad atmosphere Mm -hmm. you start to feel it yourself Mm -hmm. right so these spirits that have died there may not necessarily be malevolent people or malevolent spirits but they are in this really awful environment for such a long time that Mm. they're going to add to that yeah that's how I feel like because if I'm if I'm if it's like a dreary day for example I, I feel a bit dreary myself yeah, you know yeah, yeah. same sort of situation I, I I don't think all the spirits are evil I just think that being in that sort of an environment for so long where everything's just hardship and pain and fucking sex work and rape and killing and mm-hmm. suicide and you know what I mean like yeah. you, it's gonna bring you down as a spirit and then there's just a sad spirit around you mm-hmm. and it, it it just depends what room you're in and what floor you're on as to how that spirit feels and how that's going to make you feel yeah that's what i reckon i do think that like that much violence yeah. leaves a mark 100 well. yeah and i don't really count myself as a very superstitious person but then 
I would never go and stay at this hotel. There is, you could not pay me to go and stay at this hotel. No. In the same way as I wouldn't ever use a Ouija board. So no, I guess no. in some yeah. ways I am kind of a superstitious person. But I I would never risk going I and staying in that hotel. Yeah, I wouldn't say you're superstitious. I would say that you're sensible. I just, I'd just rather err on the side of caution yeah, in, this, exactly. in this case, I think. Exactly. And, like, I've been, I've been in a hotel before, like, when I went away for work, where... And this is nothing... To, I didn't think there were spirits or anything like that, but I've felt a vibe in the hotel where I thought, this is not a safe place for me to be, because on my mm. own. And I was like, this is not safe. I do not feel safe. So I stayed awake all night, because I was like, someone's going to come in my room. They are mm. going to come in. That room doesn't... That door doesn't shut properly. You feel it, don't you? Yeah, And yeah. I think if I walked into that hotel... Because obviously that's it. nothing like the Cecil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would feel it, I reckon. Yeah, I, I wouldn't 100%. want to do that. I do believe in spirits. There has to be, like... I don't know. I don't know whether there's a portal or anything like that, but um, I feel like there has to be an element of influence. Not necessarily yeah. possession or haunting as much as there is influence mm. from the spirits. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, the hotel owners clearly weren't worried about any kind of spirits because, like we said earlier, just before Elisa Lam stayed there, they split the hotel into two parts. Uh So they originally wanted to evict all of the long-term tenants and open up as a hostel. But the hotel is part of a scheme on Skid Row to allow local homeless people to have a roof over their heads. Mm -hmm. So they didn't realise they weren't allowed to just evict everyone. So yeah. they had to split the hotel. So they were allowed to keep some long-term tenancies and then use the rest as a hostel. So they reopened part of the hotel as Stay on Main. So that was the cheap hotel side for travellers with bunk rooms, shared bathrooms. Um, they each Two sides of the hotel had their own entrances, they had their own lobbies, they had their own staff, but they shared a lift. And that's where, obviously, the infamous footage comes from. So young travellers would come to this hotel not knowing its history, not knowing that they're on Skid Row and what that means for them, mm-hmm. and they're staying in an incredibly dangerous place. Personally, I feel that's really fucking misleading. I, I think that's that. fucking awful, because if they have shared rooms, bunked rooms, shared bathrooms, yeah. and murders happen there, yeah. or they had ha- it was notorious for something like that, yeah. and there is a way for the people who are on the dangerous side if we were to put it that way mm-hmm. to get into their side then instantly like anyone who is just the slightest bit tapped like Romero's was mm-hmm. they're going to see that as an opportunity yeah it's, it's all just a you could you could have six students yeah. at once yeah do you know what I mean like I do, it's yeah. fucked up I think it's disgusting I, I agree that. with you and the fact that the manager was a fucking woman she should have thought about this yeah well, it probably wasn't. It probably wasn't up to her. She was just the manager. She wasn't the owner. No, because she was brought in to turn the place oh, yeah, around, you're wasn't right. she? Yeah, you're right. She, yeah. she, she should have thought about the safety of that, especially where most of the people who had been killed in that hotel were women. I think you should have a disclaimer on stay on me. I can understand yeah. you want to turn the fortunes of the hotel around. I get yeah. that, but you should have a disclaimer saying, "This is where the hotel is. This is." They, you know what's going on. I'm sorry, they plunged all of that money into creating a new lobby, creating a new entrance, and this, mm. that, and the other. Fucking just split the lift. Oh my god, yeah. put another lift in. I don't know how. I don't know how difficult it is. I have no I idea. But I agree with you though. I think. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a a disaster. Well, it was. It's yeah. now closed, but it was a disaster waiting to happen. That despicable man. But what's mental is that after Elisa Lamb was found, 
bookings for the hotel went through the fucking roof. Like, we're talking about how, like, you couldn't pay me to stay there. No, no, no. But people were like, yeah, I absolutely want to stay there, which is weird and horrible. To us, us it seems weird. But then there are a lot of people who are very, very interested in that sort of thing. And I guess maybe they were interested in the case particularly as well, and they wanted to go and stay there and see what it was like. Yeah, see if they could um, feel what Elisa Lam may have felt. Yeah, yeah. Don't know. I'm interested in that, but Mm. there's no way I would go and stay there. No. No way. No. So the hotel's now closed, and it's undergoing a $100 million renovation. Really? Yeah, and it's going to become micro-apartments. So they're going to be $1,500 a month, which will likely make it unaffordable for the previous guests. Yeah. Um, And the... The homeless people are not... That's very cheap, though, for LA. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. cheap. You think apartments would be, like, they're sort of 3,000 to 6,000, mm. aren't they, like in New York? Yeah. Yeah, we looked into it, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. So the last thing I want to say about the hotel is that it was the inspiration for American Horror Story Hotels, which is season five. Okay. If you watch um, American Horror Story, I haven't watched it in years, so I can't remember. I've not. I've never watched it. Oh, I might watch it back now, but I might need somebody else to watch it. Yeah, okay, well, can we watch it together? (laughs) Okay, yeah. Oh my god, okay, well, I'll tell you this in a minute. Yeah, go on. Okay, well, that's my creepy story about a creepy hotel. Okay, well, I enjoyed that. Haunted or not, you will not catch me staying there. No, no, no. No fucking way. And oh my god, who's going to want to live there? (laughs) Well, that's it, actually. <laughs> cheap or not cheap. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I would want it. No, I don't think I would want it. Because you don't know. At this point, yes, you can search what room um, Romero's was in, but you don't know what apartment that's going to occupy. Yeah, you're right. How, how are you to know? And frankly, if there are portals knocking about anywhere in that fucking place, I do not want an apartment in that building. Maybe if someone gets an apartment there and someone ends up out the window, fucking knock it down. Yeah, right. Knock it the fuck down. Yeah, right. Honestly. Well, that is it. Well, that was fantastic. Oh, I very good. much enjoyed that. I'm really excited for your Halloween episode next as well. <laughs> do I know what it's about? I don't think I do, do I? No. No? Well, I changed Ooh. it, didn't I? I was going to do Seventh Son and Seventh Son, but I couldn't find enough on it. Mm. Oh, I'm excited then. Well, thank you for listening, guys. Love you. You know what to do. Do your like, thing. Like, share, and follow. And listen. Oh, my God. Listen all the time. Yeah, listen. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Craziest thing that you'll ever hear. Now you believe it. Now you believe it. You believe anything after.